Hi. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by First Baptist Church. Here at FBC, it's our mission to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, and we hope that this message helps you continue to grow in your faith. This audio is property of First Baptist Church, but feel free to give away copies of this message in the hopes that others will be impacted by what they hear. For more information about FBC, or if you want to stay connected with us, visit our website at fbclloyd.ca or look us up on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks, and enjoy the latest from FBC. Good morning, FBC. Thank you for joining us on this day that we worship the one true, great, and awesome God. We would also like to welcome you viewers online. We are so glad that you have chosen to spend this time in worship with us. Knowing that I would be very nervous today, I knew that I could always count on my family for great encouragement. Friday evening, I was gifted a wonderful surprise when our daughter, Courtney, showed up on the doorstep. I've preached previously on two occasions, and she has never seen me speak in person. And both times, I failed to introduce her as I was introducing my family. So the ongoing joke in our family has been she is the daughter with no name. So my mention now redeems me of any of my forgetfulness. However, yesterday she tells me, I drove nine hours to see you, so you better not choke on stage. (laughs) Don't we love what kids say? This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Psalm 118, 24. It's probably a familiar verse to many of you. Choking up like Doug here. (laughs) My late father insisted that the Lord gives you something each and every day to rejoice about. However, today, I'm struggling to rejoice at this moment. Right now, this soft-spoken introvert feels more like what Paul did when the Corinthians said to him in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 10, for they say his letters are weighty and strong, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech of no account. I relate well to this verse. Like Paul, the Lord has gifted me with the ability to write. From a young age, putting my thoughts to paper has come with relative ease. As you can see from my bodily presence, the age of my youth, the years of my youth are now ancient history. Or ancient history, my kids would say. Only the sunken chest and a head of gray hair remains. But Proverbs 16:31 redeems me on that second account. I mean, gray hair is indeed a crown of glory. Lastly, I, like Paul, struggle with speech. Its smooth, natural flow eludes me. In many ways, so today should be a very humbling experience. May the Lord be my strength and the one who guides my words through this message. Before we begin, let's take a moment to prepare our hearts and minds as we bless the Lord, or we take time to bless our time together. Please bow with me in prayer. Give me a second here. Sorry, guys. Yeah, that's better. Father God, please open our hearts and minds to this new message series. Remove from our presence any fear the dark world brings. Let us remain steadfast in your promise as we pray for those still blind. May your promise be placed on their hearts and work inside their lives. Eternal gift of grace through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
At this time, we also pray and give thanks to the FBC staff currently on retreat. May this time away be a renewal to their minds and a strengthening to the faith they already hold. Now, Lord, please, please prepare our hearts and minds as we turn to your sacred scripture. The message today that is to be heard in reverence of you. With all adoration, we lift these prayers up to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Who me? How did I end up here today? Back in October, Doug cornered me after a service and asked me if I had any plans for today. Seeing nothing on my calendar, he said, Good, I would like you to open the new church series while the staff is away on retreat. So I asked him, What's the series topic? His response, in typical Doug fashion, I can't remember. But we'll chat more about that later. So here I am. <clears throat> Our new church series is called Who Me, which is built around Joshua's unconditional faith and obedient response to God's plan for Israel. As we look deeper into the character of Joshua and the faith that he adheres to, we need to evaluate our personal lives and ask, am I holding to this type of faith? Does my faith in the Lord reflect his light to those around me? Or do outward fears overtake the, my faith, diminishing the Lord's presence in my life? Our goal today here is to bring each of us into a greater understanding of what it means to have unconditional faith in our Lord. Now, I'm not going to lie. My heart's excitement for this opportunity was quite brief. I quickly found my mindset, who me? But I knew I needed to be fully obedient and trust his plan. We bring glory to his kingdom when we stand boldly. Besides, we have Donut Sunday to look forward to, so if I stumble through this message, my apology to you guys is those delicious cronuts. FBC has been home to my family since 2006. Watching my, my kids grow through their faith in kids' ministries and the youth group has been such a blessing from God. Most of my family has been baptized here, including myself. My lovely wife, Stacy, and I were married in this church. We just celebrated 10 years, ago, 10 years together as of last week. Most... Yeah, clap. Yeah, there you go. Clap. Most recently, together we have been facilitating grief share. We have each suffered personal loss and understand the devastating impact that death brings to everyone. There is an emptiness left in one's soul which takes time to heal after loss. So I give thanks to the Lord as he guides both of us on this important mission. Please feel to connect with either of us if anyone is struggling with grief or would like to know more about the program. Who Me is the overarching theme in our new series message, our new series. And today, the underlying question we must ask of ourselves, are we fearful or are we faithful in God's plan for our life? I'm sure this is a thought that everyone has encountered at some point in their life. The account of Joshua in today's message is quite brief. To simply put it, there are too many important details in this 
portion of scripture to overlook. The details set the foundation which revealed Joshua's true faith in the Lord. In our exposition of the text, we will focus on two viewpoints which greatly differ from each other. I will also draw your attention to past biblical events that lead up to this account. Scripture, the scripture we will be focusing on is found in the book of Numbers. So please join me by turning to Numbers chapter 13. I realize that we live in a digital society and I'll be the first to admit that there's nothing wrong with using technology. But when it comes to the Word of God, those close to me know that I cherish my Bibles. Yes, I'm a Bible nerd. I have many in my collection at home. Come see me after the service if you want to chat. There is a warmth in, an experience, a warmth in the experience that can be felt no other way when we turn the pages of Scripture. Now I realize that in this digital age, we choose to view God's Word online. But please keep in mind that this free access may someday end. Sadly, this is reality for many countries. One click is all that's needed to remove anything deemed too offensive for our inclusive society. I believe that cancel culture will come after God's Word someday. In fact, his word is despised already in our society. If any of these thoughts have convicted you, please remember that the Pew Bible can be found directly in front of you, or feel free to follow on the screens behind me. This account begins with the Lord instructing Moses to send 12 spies, one from each tribe, into the promised land of Canaan. The entire account continues to verse 38 of chapter 14. We will not have enough time to properly exposit the entire message, so we will look at smaller sections that draw our attention to paralyzing fear as seen from the ten spies who lacked faith in God. As well, this exposition will reveal the energizing faithfulness of Hoshea and Caleb. Who is Hoshea, you may ask? Hoshea was Joshua's given Hebrew name, meaning desire for salvation. Both Joshua and Caleb placed their total faith and trust in the Lord, for they knew that he would deliver Israel into the promised land of Canaan. Let's look at the first three verses in chapter 13. It says, So the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving the people of Israel. From each tribe to their, of their fathers you shall send a man, every one a chief among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord, all of them men who were heads of the people of Israel. In verse 2, we are seeing God's sovereign plan for Israel. This verse reads exactly what the Lord said to Moses. Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. Before moving on to verse 3, you may be asking yourself, what is God's sovereignty? Psalm 103:19 is one of the many verses that we find in Scripture revealing his sovereignty. It says, The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. In simple terms, God is in control of everything, 
He is the supreme authority over both heaven and earth. His sovereign plan for Israel was announced to Abram back in Genesis 12:7. This is well over 400 years prior to this moment. God revealed then that the promised land of Canaan would be delivered into the hands of Israel through Abram's descendants. To your offspring, I will give this land. In verse 3, we see that these 12 spies sent by Moses were each a leader of their tribe. The nation of Israel was 12 tribes, one tribe for each son of Jacob, who God later named Israel. I've already mentioned two of the names. Hoshea led the tribe of Ephraim, but in verse 16, we see that Moses changed his name to Joshua. The Lord is salvation. I find that Joshua is the perfect name to lead Israel into the promised land. Caleb led the tribe of Judah, and later in this account, we will see his faithfulness spring into full action. Our message is flying right along. We have a 71-verse account, and after six pages of sermon notes, we only covered the first three verses. And yet, we already need to take a slight detour. In verses 4 to 15, we see a small genealogy, if you want to call it that. We see each tribe leader's father listed after their name. This is how genealogy was recorded throughout Jewish history. As we read our Bible... Let's not overlook these boring genealogies. Why? Names matter to God. Your name, my name, everyone's name matters to God. He has a plan for all of us, but most times we fail to see his plan because we are preoccupied with ourselves and the distractions of this world. To better understand the weight that God places on biblical genealogy, there are a few things that we need to consider. In the book of Genesis alone, we see 137 verses of genealogy. More than one-third of the canon of Scripture, which is the 66 books of the Bible, contain less than 137 verses. So the next time we encounter biblical genealogy, remember, not only these names matter to God, all names matter to God. Are we listening to God when he calls our name? Whatever that call may be, even if you need to preach from a pulpit. On the screens behind me, we see two separate columns listed with names. We won't read verses 4 to 15 today, and I already know what you're thinking. Didn't you just finish saying that genealogies are important? I sure did, but please realize that the surface of any message can only be scratched from the pulpit. So I encourage everyone to spend more time in their devotions and see what the text says to them. And besides, the more important reason, I don't want to butcher 10 Hebrew names. We see those names on the screen above in the column titled, Paralyzed by Fear. We already recognize the two names in the Energized by Faith column. Together, these columns display all 12 tribes of Israel. These are men who hold great influence and are highly respected among their people. 
These are the strongest, wisest, most valiant men at this moment in Israel's history. So why do we see so many names in the column listed, paralyzed by fear? The answer is quite simple. These ten leaders, paralyzed by fear, lack true faith in God. They doubt the Lord's ability to deliver the land of, or Israel into the land of Canaan. They held on to knowledge of God without knowing or trusting him personally. They were obedient to themselves and not to the Lord. When we evaluate our lives, do our minds know the things of God, not yet know the character or word of God? Think about that for a moment. When we evaluate our own lives, do our minds know the things of God, yet not know the character or word of God? Are we starting to see how significant the study of Scripture is? How can we know His plan for our life if we do not immerse ourselves in Scripture daily? Our life cannot only be an acknowledgement of the Lord, it must also include faithful obedience and understanding His grace inside of our heart. As Joshua and Caleb looked forward, energized by faith, they understood this type of obedience. They fully knew in their hearts that the Lord would advance his kingdom and fulfill the promise to Israel. They focused on God's power, his presence, and the things that he would yet do for the nation of Israel. A mind that is faithful to the Lord trusts God's character and what he reveals to us in Scripture. A mind that is faithful to the Lord trusts God's character and what he reveals to us in Scripture. When our heart embraces the word of God, we can be faithful leaders in our communities, our places of work, amongst our friends, but most importantly, inside our homes. Are we choosing to be leaders that magnify our fears? Or do we faithfully trust the full character of God to guide us in our daily life? In verses 17 to 20, we see that during a 40-day period, Moses sent these 12 spies to search out the promised land of Canaan. On their return, they have brought back reports from this land. On the screens above, you will see the key points from each verse in bold. In verse 17, as directed by the Lord, Moses sent the spies into the promised land, specifically asking them, Go up into the Negev and go up to the hill country. Verse 18. Whether the people who dwell there are strong or weak, whether they are few or many. Verse 19. Whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities they dwell in are camps or strongholds. And then in verse 20. Whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are trees in it or not. Then as we get to the second part of verse 20, we read, Be of good courage. Why did the Lord instruct Moses to tell these spies, Be of good courage? As we see in the text, he's only asking them to bring back the fruits of the land. 
So perhaps this is a turning point for these 12 spies. Is this the moment when energizing faithfulness seen in Joshua and Caleb stands above the paralyzing fear of the 10 other spies? We know that it's God's desire to show the people of Israel just how rich the land of Canaan is. He wants to show them that it is indeed a land flowing with milk and honey. So when the Lord asks to be of good courage, he is simply asking for their total obedience in his plan. But the paralyzing fear found in these ten spies viewed the Lord's request as very burdensome. Their self-centered hearts questioned why the Lord would ask such a task from them. For these spies knew that in order to reap a harvest of ripe fruit from the enemy vineyards, they would risk a greater chance of exposure. These ten spies magnified their fears and minimized their resources, feeling this request would defeat the entire purpose of spying out the land. When overwhelming challenges happen in our lives, do we focus on fear and become paralyzed? Or do we look at the Lord and his faithful promise during these moments of uncertainty? These spies covered about 220 miles throughout the, throughout the promised land during their 40-day journey. We see in verse 22 that they went up to the Negev and came to Hebron. Hebron is located about 20 miles south of Jerusalem. Further study of the scripture shows many important connections to this promised land. First, jot these verses down. Genesis 29, or 23, 19. Genesis 25, 9 and 10. And Genesis 50, 13. These verses show that Hebron is the burial place of Israel's patriarchs. A key verse that connects the exodus from Egypt to the promised land of Canaan is found in Genesis 46.3. Jacob, who is the father of the nation of Israel, discovers that Joseph, his son, is still alive. When the Lord comes to Jacob in a vision of, a night, a vision of the night, he says, Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for there I will make you into a great nation. Jacob trusted this command from the Lord and obediently traveled to the land of Egypt. Even though Israel became enslaved in Egypt, they became a great nation. After 430 years of enslavement, God hears the cry of Israel and remembered his covenant with Abraham. Refer to Exodus 2.24. God then chose Moses to lead Israel out of Egypt. Their journey brought them to the edge of the Jordan where they now overlook the promised land. So we see that all of that brings us to this moment. This is another example showing us that God is sovereign over everything. Remember the phrase that I used earlier. A mind that is faithful to the Lord trusts God's character and his holy word in scripture. Do we fully trust the Lord's plan for our life? Or are we in fear for the things of uncertainty and the challenges they may bring? In verse 26, we see that these spies have reported back to to Moses 
and the congregation of Israel. In verse 27, the spies all agree that this promised land indeed is a land that flows with milk and honey. However, this agreement is short-lived, as we see in verses 28 and 29. Here we begin to see the separation between paralyzing fear and energizing faithfulness. Joshua and Caleb have faithfully bought in to the Lord's sovereign plan, while the fear paralyzed the ten other spies. They show complete disrespect for God and his promise to deliver the nation of Israel. The excuses of paralyzing fear begin. I am sure that nobody here has ever made a lame excuse before. Maybe I should ask my kids that. These ten spies, in fearful fashion, begin to air out their dirty laundry. All the complaining and the doubting begins. We read, The people of the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Talk about your typical excuses, excuses answer to what paralyzing fear brings when a person isn't fully energized by faith in God. In verse 30, we now see Caleb's bold faithfulness coming alive. Here we see Caleb is fully energized in the Lord's plan. It says, Caleb quieted the people. Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are able to overcome it. Has there ever been a time in your life when you've been as bold as Caleb? Would you stand before an angry mob in total faithfulness to the Lord? Will we choose to stand for God when that opportunity comes? Notice I said when, because that opportunity will come at some point. Or would we remain silent and deny our faith in our Lord? Or even worse, would we join that mob itself? How strong is our faith in God during these testing moments? Do we trust his plan in faith alone? In verses 31 and 32, the ten spies double down on the fear rhetoric. Paralyzed by fear, it has become so great now that they've resorted to lying. Maybe the spies were gone fishing on the day that Moses read the Ten Commandments. Or maybe they even thought these commandments were optional commandments, or maybe even good suggestions. I guess the Bible has it wrong. Moses got ten good suggestions on Mount Sinai. That doesn't quite have the same ring to it, does it? Here's the first. In verse 32, so they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land. These ten spies, paralyzed by fear, not only have the audacity to lie, but because of their inward fear, they could not see that this was God's sovereign plan for Israel. If we ourselves were placed in this position, how strong would our faith be in the Lord? Where would our heart lead us? Would it be energized with faith, fully trusting his promise, or would our thoughts be paralyzed and consumed with fear? As chapter 13 ends, in verse 33, we now see the pinnacle of paralyzing fear. This is the whopper of whoppers that stretches Pinocchio's nose to a whole new level. Did I just date myself by saying that? Perhaps, 
The text says, we saw the Nephilim. Are you kidding me? We won't look into this passage today, but the account of the Nephilim is found in Genesis 6-4. The Nephilim were wiped out with the great flood in Noah's time. So this is nothing more than a tall tale. Now I concede that the Amalekites may have been overly large and maybe even a bit scary, but the size of the Nephilim? Come on. Very doubtful. Besides, wasn't Goliath a larger-than-life Philistine? Since David had not quite arrived on the scene yet, he was only about 400 years short late to this party, maybe these ten spies were never taught how to sling a stone from their fathers. This should serve as a reminder to us fathers how great our responsibility is at home. Our children look to us for guidance. In 1 Samuel 17, 45 and 6, it reads, Oh, hang on, I've got to build up to that. But we must remember that David held on to something much greater than a sling and a stone. David professed complete and total faith in the Lord before he struck Goliath down. In 1 Samuel it says, You come at me with sword and with spear and with a javelin, but I come to you with the name of the, in the name of the Lord of hosts the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down. Where is our time? Where is our faith in time like these? Those times when things are just too big for us to handle alone. Where do we turn when a death in the family occurs? Or a bankruptcy destroying our inner self-worth? Where do, where do our thoughts go when we discover that that illness may be terminal? A promising career has ended due to a company's restructure. Hopes and future dreams shattered by a broken marriage. Whatever that blank may be in your life, that one that has crushed your spirit, in those moments of deep despair, does our inward fear paralyze us? Or do we face those challenges, energized in faithfulness towards God? Make today the day that we trust God's sovereign plan. This account runs for 38 more verses into chapter 14. You may have noticed that I have used the word account and not story throughout this message. These accounts are not myths, legends, or even stories. Biblical accounts have been accurately documented by the hands of man, which has been divinely inspired by God. These divine words have been preserved through the generations of history. In fact, the incredible accuracy of Scripture is only being strengthened as more evidence is revealed through archaeology. It is the infallible, inherent, sovereign word of God. What we find on every page of Scripture is the greatest gift that God has ever given mankind. That gift is his grace through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus paid our penalty of sin on that cross, a price which none of us can ever repay. What an amazing gift of grace the Lord has given to us, a gift that none of us deserve. So let's be energized with faith and place the Lord Jesus, inside our hearts. He is the only name under heaven that can save us from our sin. 
without his grace, we are forever lost in darkness. As we close our message, let's close with a verse showing how true faith in Jesus Christ will always conquer the paralyzing fear of this world. In John 16.33, we read, I have said these things to you, that you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. If any, of you, if any amongst us are ever blessed to share a message from the pulpit, you will find that as your sermon notes take shape, the Lord often guides your message away from its original intent. Today's text of scripture revealed how paralyzing fear can overtake our lives if we do not place our faith and obedience in our Lord. In the weeks to come, our Who Me series will dive deeper into Joshua's faithful obedience, showing us how to apply these principles to our lives. How often do we choose a path in life that is opposite of what the Lord desires for us? Remember what I said earlier. A preacher can only scratch the surface of what Scripture holds for our lives. So again, I encourage everyone to be in God's Word daily. We need to be prepared for when the Lord calls us. In fact, he's calling each of us now. So answer that call with energizing faithfulness and turn away from the paralyzing fears of the world. In the week ahead, please continue with our study of Joshua in your small groups. In Numbers 14, verses 6 to 12, many details are revealed about the faithfulness of Joshua and Caleb. As well, take a moment to have a look at Joshua chapter 14. Starting in verse 6, you will see how the Lord blessed Caleb for his faithful obedience. Lastly, whatever happened to those ten fearful spies? No, they didn't wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Numbers 14, 37, 38 shows that the Lord pronounced sovereign judgment on these men. The remaining scripture passages will reveal more than enough discussion topics within your small groups later this week. Next week, Doug's back to continue our series with Armed and Dangerous. So please join us next week as we continue our Humi series. Let's close our time together in a little bit more traditional way. Please bow with me as I read from Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in, the Christ, in Christ Jesus throughout all the generations forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for coming to share in God's word. Enjoy the cronuts. And remember, always be energized with faith in the Lord. Thanks, guys. Thank you.